Welcome back, everyone. Um, I'm very happy to introduce Oren Bader from Tel Aviv University. He's going to speak to us on the presence of others and the constitution of extraordinary architectural space. Yeah, just a, a quick note before I start. This is a joint work uh, written by Aya and me. It uh, kind of incorporates uh, Aya's uh, ongoing research on architecture, on everyday uh, on the everyday built environment and uh, my own work on social tension. Uh, so the title is The Presence of Others and the Constitution of Extraordinary Ar Architectural Space. Oh. Uh, living with others is a key factor shaping our urban life. Their bodily presence scaffolds our social world and is involved in the way the, uh, the built environment appears to us. In this paper, we focus on the role of direct or the direct intentional experience of others in the constitution of extraordinary built spaces, such as museums, theaters, uh, and uh, public libraries. We argue uh, that the bodily uh, presence of others is involved in the constitution of this uh, unique type of built settings. Our account suggests that extraordinary architectural space is often designed uh, uh, in a way that presupposes and encourages direct inter interpersonal encounters, and therefore it relies, to some extent, on the appearance of others within it through social tension. So we developed uh, this suggestion in the following manner. First, drawing on phenomenological and uh, empirical resources, we discuss some of the unique uh, attentional features of humans' interpersonal encounters, we emphasize emphasizing their involvement in the constitution of the extraordinary architectural space. Then, based on an architectural perspective, we analyze the way extraordinary places are often designed to encourage a direct experience of others. So, I'll start with social attention, uh, actually with the unique uh, character of social attention as I see it. <coughs> Phenomenological analysis suggests that human subjects usually enact their attention in accordance with the lived bodies of others in their immediate environment, emphasizing uh, the unique intersubjective quality that stems from this experience, for instance, uh, Joel Kruger, 2017. The intimate relationship between the special sense of encountering my fellow human lived body and the way the world appears to me is nicely illustrated in Schutz's uh, 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 bird following example, which you can see uh, on the screen. Schutz proposes that in a situation where two subjects follow simultaneously the same object or event in the world, they also pre-reflectively and spontaneously coordinate experiences with one another. This experience is grounded in and encouraged and amplified by the special feel of attending to the bodily acts of another human subject. Schutz's analysis shows that when I attend to features in the world with and through others, this social attentional experience, which is driven by the strong sense of sharing the other's world, has a special experiential quality. The intersubjective, intersubjective attentional coordination that occurs in such situations encourages subjects to adjust their attention to the attention and activities of others, especially in places where the other people's live bodies are immediately available to me by virtue of uh, the architectural design, such as the, the type of buildings that I will discuss in the second part of my uh, talk. Clearly, 
the type of attentional experience that uh, derives from and relies on the special experiential quality of the subject-subject direct relation is profoundly different from a situation where I attend to inanimate objects, such as uh, uh, built architectural features, in the absence of other. Attending to the world with and through others, namely social attention, has a special dynamic character that is very different from and much broader than uh, that which is involved in other attentional situations. As Sartre points out, the other's body appears to me originally as a point of view on which I can take a point of view. This point of view about the shared world around is available for me, for instance, through tracking and anticipating the other subject expression, gesture, and uh, movements. Uh, yeah. For instance, you can look at the uh, uh, discussion in Gallagher and Zavi 2012. 12th, sorry. It therefore demands that subject will follow and enact their attention in accordance with the experiences and acts of other subjects in their environment. So, the suggestion that our attention is uniquely sensitive or distinctively attuned to tracking and anticipating the movements and acts of others, and that we are prone to synchronize, synchronize our movements and to enact our attention in accordance with the lived body uh, that we, we can uh, uh, see in, uh, in, in uh, phenomenological investigation, is supported by uh, abundant empirical data. It is well established by empirical research for instance, that humans favor attending to social stimuli, uh, such as faces, bodies, and the activities of other humans. This type of attention occurs very fast. We rapidly pick for attention others in our environment compared to other targets. And this affects subject attention, and consequently their experiences in the social environments. As data gathered from uh, studies in developmental psychology, and from research in cognitive science, under normal circumstances, shows sorry, under normal circumstance, circumstances, without unexpected uh, disturbance or immediate threat, other people' gazes, faces, and bodies rapidly and pre-reflectively capture the subject attention prior to any other stimuli. The distinct social attentional tendencies and mechanisms that are constructed in infancy, such as the favoring of other human gazes and sharing of perspective through joint attention, are refined and broadened in ontogeny through our direct social experiences. This also has a profound effect on the way we experience, we experience extraordinary architecture, since this type of built environment is often designed to extend and to amplify our social attentional field. That is, to, to enable us encountering others in a closed setting. Consequently, the bodily presence of others uh, negotiates the space for us. It directs us toward objects within it and shows us its affordances. The bodily presence of others has another important aspect for our, for our case. It drives us to con continuously synchronize our movement and experiences with, with one another. More specifically, when in the direct presence of others, we can gain through attention to their uh, gesture, expression, and kinesthesis, um, their perspective, actions, and embodied intention. This crucial feature of human social attention, which is highlighted in cognitive research, also drives the generation of spontaneous coordination of movements and activities with other humans in our immediate environment. 
This is shown in, in research as, such as Knoblich et al. 2011 and Shalibach et al. Uh, 2013. In extraordinary architectural places, spontaneous coordination of movement and experience is involved in the way visitors perceive the place as part of their social world. Although the architecture of this built setting is extraordinary, it becomes nonetheless part of my social uh, sphere by the virtue of our tendency to coordinate movements and activities with others around us. Thus, I do not uh, experience it as, as foreign. The subject capacity to automatically coordinate activities and movements with others intervenes with uh, two other critical intersubjective uh, features that are entrenched in a social attention situation. One is the understanding of another person's motor, motor intention and joint attention. Specifically, human subject attuned to kinematic information through social attention enables, enables us, when directly encountering others, to pre-reflectively anticipate their intention in performing different simple, simple bodily tasks or when acting in the shared space. Bacio et al. study shows, for example, from 2012, that when observing other motor behavior, I can anticipate their intention when reaching for an object or uh, when grabbing it. Attunement to others' embodied intention also, also involves joint attention. This attentional capacity that develops uh, in the infant's uh, first year allows that subject to gain other person perspective toward the jointly attended locus as embedded in the gesture, gaze, movement, or posture. Uh, you can uh, look, for instance, at the work of uh, Basu Reddy from 2010 and 2012. For instance, when observing the unique features of an extraordinary architectural object together with others, my attention often comprises their perspective toward the architectural features. And this profoundly influenced the way I perceive and experience the place. So how does it work? A visit to an exhibition room in a museum of modern art provides a good illustration of the influence of human distinct social attention, uh, attentional properties on the constitution of the extraordinary architectural place. In this case, it is, li it is likely that we will quickly and prior to, to other features in the room notice the other visitor. We then immediately and reflectively grasp the space also as a place of intersubjective meeting. The bodily presence of others displays and negotiates for us the architectural properties of the space, such as its scale and its depth. Furthermore, the synchronization of movements and activities with those of other people in the room, which occur in such circumstances in a spontaneous manner, helps in directing us to a, spe to a specific object within it. Uh, for example, the painting in the far corner that is at the present obscured from my view. And it will reveal to us affordances, the affordances of the space, such as the corridor leading to the next exhibitor. Notably, in this kind of built settings, it is likely that, it is likely that we will constantly find ourselves appreciating work of art or observing the unique architectural features of the place simultaneously with other uh, visitors. Uh, consequently, we are not merely attending to the same location as the other subject around us, but in addition, we automatically gain their embodied perspective to where the jointly attended uh, place, and this affects our own reaction and attention to it. 
So I turn now to consider the architectural design of uh, the, extra the extraordinary architectural place. This is, in fact, uh, 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 the plan of the new uh, building uh, of the museum uh, of Tel Aviv Museum of Art. Although our suggestion is not restricted to any specific usage of the extraordinary urban uh, built space, we focus here on two types of secular buildings that usually express impressive and well-designed architecture, the museum and the public library. The examples we discuss are located within the city. They are part of the urban, of, of the urban life and its built fabric. Yet their particular architectural feature, as well as, as functions, are unique. Our analysis just suggests that this kind of building are often conceived also to manifest and to depend on the actively embodied presence of other people around us and on their, their uh, attention to features within it. So the design of modern public libraries is particularly interesting for our case. Since not so long ago, ago public libraries were regarded as the ultimate uh, uh, spare of silence and individualism. Their aim was to reduce interpersonal encounters. The contemporary library has transformed over the last couple of decades into an unusual and fascinating urban landmark that encompasses vibrant social life and functions. New libraries are designed these days to encourage interpersonal encounters. Their unique features are often shown to the subject to their full extent by the virtue of the bodily presence of others. So one of the first libraries that manifested this functional and aesthetical modification was the extension to the Royal Danish Library in Copenhagen, opened in 1999. It's enigmatic and extraordinary, you can see it here. It's enigmatic and extraordinary external appearance of black monolith, from which derives its name, the Black Diamond implies dynamic and vibrant inner space through a huge cliff-like lazing that split the stone facade, uh, which you can see here. This vast opening allows the breaking of natural light into the library through the broad atarium and unites the outside walking area and the other side of the canal with the interior space. Entering the, builder, the building Entering the building, visitors quickly discover that they continue to walk alongside the, the pedestrian uh, traveling along the waterfront outside, uh, and the ground floor of the building thus immediately transforms into a place of meeting, as it simultaneously comprises the newly uh, entered visitors, visitor, the city's travelers, and the library users. This is the, 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 what, what you see from the outside. The, 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 the glazing that split the building into uh, two parts. Here you can have a look of it from within. Proceeding further into the building, visitors instinctively raise their heads toward the lighted atarium above. And in doing so, realize that they are in the company of other people. By virtue of the architectural design, they can observe the movements of other visitors along the open balconies galleries in the upper space. And in doing so, they realize that they are, they are in the company of other people. 
by the virtue of the architecture, of the unique architectural design, they can observe the movements of other visitors, visitors along the open balconies and galleries in the upper space, in the bridge that connects them, and in the stairways, which you can see here, uh, uh, that cross the, the wide elevated open court. They immediately, this immediately affects the visitor spatial experience of the building. The library's reading halls, enclosed with clear glass, glass sorry, which this, uh, widen this active atarium boundaries and enable even those engaged in quiet reading to participate in, visual, in the visual experience of the vast space. Consequently, the visitor attends to the unique architectural features of the building through others and experiences it as a place of meeting. Furthermore, the reflection of human movement and action along the rough and on the other built side of the canal, which you can kind of see from the other side of the canal, brings together the overwhelming architectural experience with everyday routine, keeping and enhancing the sense of being in the social world. So another good example of an, uh, of an architectural space which de is designed in a way that enables and, de on and depends on interpersonal encounters is the Guggenheim Museum in New York, which was open to the public on uh, 1959. In addition to its novel approach to, to the experience of art, it proposed a unique view of the desired relationship between the visitor, the art contained within, and the built space. Architect Frank Lloyd Wright designed a brilliantly simple plan for the museum, which considers the, con the continuous flow of the visitor's movement and gazes. By virtue of the unique designs, visitors continuously observe the other visitors to the museum throughout the, its different level, while walking uh, in their own rhythm down and up the slope floor. This shows them, among other things, the broadness of the space and also grants the place a direct intersubjective context. The relation, okay. the relation between the high uh, open court and the sloped spiral gallery that surrounds it amplifies the social character, character of this built setting. Wright designed a relatively low ceiling, which you can see here, above the spirit gallery that surrounds the central atarium, creating a more intimate environment there. Thus, although the core of the building is an enormous cathedral-like high-built space that is dramatically lighted from an ornamented, ornamented crystal dome above, it can still offer a sense of intimacy in the human-scale gallery around it. The bodily presence of other visitors in a space that is designed to facilitate an intimate experience and yet is audio-visually connected to the great volume of the main atarium is therefore moderately noticeable but not threatening. Evidently, this grand gallery is designed in a way in which uh, the human proportion, body size, position and rhythm in relation to the architectural surrounding and to the other people around constitute a distinct atmosphere of the place. So when walking along the ramp, visitors are engaged in appreciation, in appreciation of art and experience the architectural space through and together with others. This interplay between unique built properties and direct relation to other subjects 
which is grounded in the architectural design and in our social attentional capacities, manifests the extraordinariness of this place. So this brings me to my short conclusion. In our former work from 2016, we suggested that in daily urban environment, the absence of others sometimes forces the built surrounding on me, such as when finding myself alone in an everyday busy street. The experience of extraordinary architecture works in the opposite direction. When I find myself alone in an extraordinary architectural place, space, some of its special features might elude me. It becomes an unnegotiated place and thus, in a sense, a place out of my direct social world. So the bodily presence of other constitute uh, two, important, two important aspects of the extraordinariness of such architectural setting. First, it reveals for the subject some of the crucial properties that facilitate the distinctiveness of the space, and it places the space within the direct intersubjective world. So more specifically, the intimate relation between our social attentional capacities and predisposition and the architectural design, which often incorporates them, highlight the unique architectural components of these places and grant them a distinct social character. Thank you.